Good morning, everyone, if you're listening on KSCO, or good morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, whenever you're listening to us on podcast. This is the Dwell on Truth show. I am Dan Bodwin. My name's Brenton Powers. Welcome to Dwell on Truth. Yes, we're glad to have you here today through the Gospel of John, because we, as many others do, believe that the Gospel is a great place to kind of start your journey through God's Word, learning about what Christianity is, um, what we believe, but most importantly, who Jesus is. He is the focus of Scripture start to finish, and he is the central character in, in the Bible, and specifically in the book of John, and we just want to help everyone to know him better and to have the hope that only comes from knowing um, God in human flesh who came and lived the perfect life for us and died the death that we deserved and rose again so that our sins could be paid for and we could be with him one day. Amen. That's what we're preaching on the streets. That's what we're preaching on the radio. And preaching isn't a bad thing. It just means publicly proclaiming like a herald Mm -hmm. would announce news from a king. We have a king and he's sent us into all the world to share this good news with you. And so glad to have you join us on these Sunday mornings on the radio, wherever you're listening, in your car, through your headphones, in your podcast apps, wherever you're listening. Thank you for giving us your ear, giving us your time, and our hope and our desire is to give you hope and a desire to know the Lord more. I can't change your hearts or desires. God can do that. But as we look to Him and as we hear His Word, that's how lives are changed. Amen. So let's get into John chapter 8 today. Uh, The last two weeks, we covered the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and then we covered Jesus revealing himself as the light of the world, Mm. and it concluded with this one of my life verses. We're going to start today with John 8, verse 31 through 38, where Jesus reminds us that the truth will set us free. And then in the middle section today, we're going to go through the paragraph entitled, You Are of Your Father the Devil. So Satanists out there might really enjoy listening to this. (laughs) And then... And the final I hope pe- not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hope that Satanists would enjoy listening to this? I hope they would listen. Well, I hope they would listen. Yes, that's true. Anton LaVey's want- Church of Satan started in San Francisco. Our gift to the world, I guess. Ugh. And then the final section we'll look at, and we're going to take these in three chunks. The final sections, verse 48 through 59 of John chapter 8. Yes. We're going to talk a lot about Abraham, the forefather of the faith, who Jesus compares himself to, actually, who Jesus is greater than. Yes. That should be interesting. So we're glad that you've joined us for this study today. We are. All right, starting with verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father." observations. What does this scripture say? Oh, well, it's got an interesting starting point Mm. in verse 31. So Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the truth and Jesus speaking the truth. Yeah, and I think this is a good starting point and ending point for today's uh, message because it starts with those who had believed in him. So the first step to freedom is believe in Jesus. It actually words it to the, to the Jews who had believed him. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between just believing in him as in his existence and believing him. Yeah. When you believe him, you believe that his words and his motives are pure and true and good, and and that's something that is worthy of listening to, worthy of trusting in. He's reliable. So first step to freedom is believe Jesus. Second step, abide in his word. He said, if you abide in my word. So abide means to continue, to live in, to dwell on, like we're (laughs) calling this show, Dwell on Truth. This is the reason why the show is called Dwell on Truth, is that verse. Because we want people to abide in his word. That's kind of the whole point of why we're going through John. 
yeah, as Christians, we that's why we go to church. That's why we're in fellowship. That's why we're studying mm-hmm. the Bible. We're continuing yeah. in God's Word. It's just a normal part of what it means to be, as Jesus calls us, disciples. Yes. He said, if you abide in my Word. So there's a condition there. And I personally believe that you have the choice to continue in his word or not. And some people believe in eternal security in a way that you ha- you don't, once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you're a believer, you're always going to be a believer. But to at least in this context, I see that there's people who believed in him and he's saying a big if here, if you continue in my word, then you are truly his disciple. So at the very least, Correct. there are people who shallowly believe in him, but don't continue in his word. Then there's other people that really believe and they do continue in his word. And that's, that results in them um, being identified as a disciple. Would you agree with that, Dan? I would agree with that. Brenton and I do have some, some differences in the way we express some of these truths, not in the gospel at all. We believe in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We have no differences there. Um, but exactly how we get to that point, there, there are some differences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I believe that you know anyone who is a disciple will continue abiding in God's Word, and I believe that the reason that they're able to even start that process is by the work of the Holy Spirit, and we would never get there mm-hmm. you know, in and of ourselves. But once again, yeah, if we abide, then we are truly his disciples. I agree with that. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so on the continuing topic, um, I just have a couple of cross-references as we take all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to apply this directly to those of you in our audience who have started to believe. I, I truly believe that we're sowing the seeds of the gospel, and there are some that we don't know about yet. We may only find out in heaven who gets saved through hearing the gospel on this program. But I That's believe that prayer. there are some listeners out there that have began to believe in Jesus. And in the book of Acts, when people believed in Jesus— People like Barnabas, who was called the son of encouragement, said things like this. He urged them to continue in the grace of God. That's Acts 13, 41. He urged them to continue in the grace of God. So I urge our listeners who have believed in Jesus, take that next step. Continue in the grace of God, in the gospel, studying the truth of Christianity. Get a Bible. Get a gospel of John. Read it for yourself. Start reading through the Bible. And then Acts 14, 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So I want to, again, encourage those who have started in the faith to continue just as Paul did when he made converts, made disciples after preaching the gospel in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. The preaching of the gospel should be followed with a call to discipleship, and that's what Jesus lays out here. So back to our main points, I'm going to interpret this whole passage through this lens of Jesus is calling us to freedom, and he lays out the path to freedom. First, believe in him. Second, abide in his word. Third is be a disciple. Fourth step, know the truth. Jesus promised you will know the truth. Fifth step, you will become free. So freedom is the end result of the gospel at work in the life of a disciple. Man, and that's what we want for each and every person listening to this show. We want that freedom that God has so graciously given us. So hopefully this will be encouraging to you in that direction. So as we transition out of my favorite verses that I could spend all day talking about, (laughs) how we get from this premise that Jesus lays out to the response of the people who don't accept his premise is is a good way of proceeding to the next verses. If Jesus' premise is, you need to be set free, well, some people don't even realize that they're enslaved to anything. So that doesn't seem to make sense to them because they're blind to their own slavery, right, Dan? Yeah, that's absolutely the case. When we look at verse 33, I've I found this fascinating because honestly, I think we meet a lot of people with a similar mentality when we're out on the street sharing the gospel. They answered, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Could you explain about in what ways were they really enslaved, but they didn't really see it? I find that interesting because they're saying, 
um, we are offspring of Abraham and had never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And saying that they had never been enslaved to anyone is just about the most absurd thing that they could say. I mean, they were currently under the thumb of Rome, under Roman occupation. I mean, that's the reason that Jesus Christ ultimately was crucified on a cross rather than some other way, because that was a Roman means of execution. And before that, they had been enslaved to the Babylonians. And before that, of course, the whole exodus is about them escaping slavery from Egypt. So it, it was an really an absurd statement. And, and it's them... I mean, I can only read into their motives so much, but I think we see some similar stuff like this on the, on the street. Yeah, they're using the word never. I mean, we've never been enslaved to anybody. Yeah. That's easy to find exceptions to that and see that they're wrong about that. It is easy to find exceptions, but they were more interested in winning and proving him wrong than really dealing with what he was saying, I think. You know, I, I think that's that's part of what was going on here. And the other part, as you wanted to talk about, was that they're blind to mm-hmm. how enslaved they actually are. That's right, because it's not physical enslavement, but there's the other kind of enslavement that we see in in verse 34, you know, where he says, truly I say to you that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And that, um, that's going to sound, I think, odd to a lot of people in our culture who don't have a a Christian and biblical background because there's this mentality of thinking that being able to live however you want to live, to make your own choices, living autonomously and no consequences for the moral decisions that you make, people think of that as something that is freeing, to just live out the desires of your heart. But scripture is very clear that that just following after the desires of our heart unhindered doesn't actually give us the freedom that we think it does. We end up enslaved to our flesh, going against what God designed us to live for. And of course, a big part of that is the relationship with him, knowing and trusting God. So what they thought was freedom was actually slavery, and same today. There is political slavery, and as mm-hmm. Americans, we're always concerned about you know tyranny or being under someone's control, and our American slavery was a terrible kind of slavery. Yeah. But Jesus talks about an even worse kind of slavery mm-hmm. of being enslaved to sin. What mm-hmm. is sin? We uh, talked about it being the breaking of God's law, rebellion against God, mm-hmm. missing the mark. It's missing an old archery yes. term. And so people are enslaved to their sin. In a sense, it's a moral bondage that yeah. comes with moral decay and rebellion against God. They can't not sin against God. Mm. Even if they do a good thing, they do it with the wrong motives because you're a slave of sin. According to Jesus, if you sin, you're a slave of sin. So have you sinned? For example, you shall not lie. Lying is a sin. <laughs> it is. You shall not steal. Stealing is a sin. If people start down the path of sinning in sexually, if you take an example of adultery or pornography or fornication, then it can have a uh, enslaving effect where you become in bondage to that sin. And we see that. And that's not a good thing because the sin leads to death. Yeah, I've seen some of the effects of that in my own life and struggling with my own desires for sin. And, and I tell you, apart from the Spirit of God who can you know, free us from these shackles, they really do feel like shackles. You know, I think about Paul's speaking about the things that I do I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, those are the very things that I keep on doing. And he's talking about that slavery to sin. And what can free me from this? It's praise God for, I, I don't remember the exact passage, I bet you can find it. Oh, Romans 7. Thank you. I don't do the things that I want to do, but it's the things that I hate. That's what I find myself doing. And it's not me, it's sin in me, producing all kinds of evil desires. And who will set me free from this body of death, this wretched man that I am? He's crying out, is there hope to be set free from this sin? And it comes with, you know, guilt and shame. And a lot of times people just want to be set free from the consequences of their sin, but they want to go back into their sin. That is a sign that you are a slave of sin. (laughs) 
Yes. And it, it, yes, there are bad consequences, but Jesus wants to save us not only from the consequences of our sin, but from the sin itself. And that's a process, like we talked about at the beginning of the program. That it process is. happens step by step as you believe, follow, learn, identify as a disciple, mm-hmm. and the truth will set you free. It's a promise, but it is a process, and it's incremental. Uh, once you're saved and a, a disciple of Jesus, there still is a process of him setting you free, but it, it happens. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, for they shall see God. Well, yeah. how do we get there? We need his cleansing blood, not just mm-hmm. once to be saved, but every day to continue to be saved. I believe we continue to need the grace of God and the blood of Jesus to apply to our lives, and we need to look to him for righteousness, not just standing right before God as in justification, but also continuing to grow in righteousness and being set free from the practice of sin as we learn the truth. That's the only way. Jesus here offers the truth to be set free from sin, Mm. but they're so enslaved to their sin that they're resisting the one who can set them free. Yes, yes. It reminds me of when I was a a missionary in Latvia. They have a museum Mm -hmm. called the Occupation Museum. Oh, wow. And like Israel, Latvia was... Talking about World War II, right? Well... Between World War One and Two and today, they've been under the Nazis at one point. That Nazis came in as liberators. We'll free you from the, you know, the the, the Russian dominance over your life. And then the the Russians came in with the mm-hmm. uh, Soviet Union to liberate them from the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you choose the devil that you know or the <laughs> devil that you don't know. So they were occupied, according to the Latvian people, they call the whole Soviet uh, regime an occupation for 50 years. From the 1940s to the 1990s, there was an occupation under the Soviet Union. And Mm. this museum shows how they were really put in a hard place with being enslaved to Nazi Germany or the uh, Soviet Union. Thankfully, they're, they're free now, but yeah. spiritually speaking, they're still enslaved to sin. Whether it's a you know another human being that's mastering you over you, and that's a bad thing because that human being is a sinner, or you mm-hmm. think you're in control of your own life because we're democratic, we have freedom now in, in America, we're, we pride ourselves on our freedom, right? But the kind of freedom Jesus is offering is true freedom. Mm-hmm. And you can be in the, the most politically free climate possible, but be enslaved, addicted, and in bondage to sex, alcohol, drugs, even if it's something as simple as like having ice cream at the end of the night and gluttony. Like, that's also a sin, and some people are clearly enslaved to that. God's working on setting me free from self-control issues with eating food too much. (laughs) You and me both, brother. (laughs) So, an application for our audience. Are you free, Mm -hmm. or are you blind to the fact that you might be a slave of something or someone that you really don't want to be a slave to? Could it be that the bad things happening in your life, both to you and that are coming from you, are a sign that you are enslaved to sin, or worse, the devil himself. We hope that as you hear the words of Christ, you will believe and continue in his word so that we can be set free from those lies. The truth will set you free. Lies will lead you to bondage. Mm. Amen. Verse 37 and 38. Well, let's read it and we'll observe what stands out and make interpretation and application. All right. Sounds good. And then we'll take a break. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Yeah. So he's saying they're not necessarily children of God, even though they are offspring of Abraham. The Israelites were offspring of Abraham, but they're not acting like Abraham here in that they're seeking to kill Jesus instead of believing the good news about the Messiah that would bless the world and set them free. They're seeking to kill him. They're acting more like not God the Father, but the devil who he Mm -hmm. calls their father in the next section, all because his words find no place in them. They just couldn't tolerate Jesus is teaching. Yeah, that was interesting. We were we were talking about that earlier and you shared some ideas on on his word finding no place in them and exactly what that meant. 
I think if there's a question to ask about ourselves, mm -hmm. it's a good ex point to examine. Is there room in our life for the Word of God? You can read the whole Bible in 15 minutes a day over one year. Yeah. But it's not just about time. It's about do you, like, you can hear the Word of God and not believe it. It won't benefit you if you yeah. just hear it. But is there a place for God's Word to settle down and find root in your heart? It's like if you have a hard heart, it's like, it's like hard soil. You have to plow up that fallow ground, that hard, crusty soil so that the seed of the Word of God can cultivate in your heart and change your life and grow life and fruit. That's the root of the problem here is their hearts are hard, even dead. Yeah. Right, Dan? Yeah, I do think so. There's the expression. It comes from a, an old song, and I can't. I wish I could remember the singer, but one of the lines is, you're going to serve somebody. Bob Dylan. Thank you. There, I knew you would know that because <laughs> we've talked about it before. But I think that's part of what this next verse demonstrates and uh, you're going to serve somebody. And if you're not serving Jesus, then by nature, you're not going to have a, that place for God's word. You're going to follow your father and you're not going to listen from the other side. In fact, if you don't listen to Jesus, then who are you listening to? Then you to? are listening to the devil. Yeah. There's this idea that somehow we can be neutral. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing in our society. But neutrality is a, is a myth. You know, you're going to be going one direction or you're going to be going the other direction. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to have trouble accepting that. But that's something that's very clear from Scripture. The final thing Jesus says before we go to a break is that you do what you've heard from your father. Mm -hmm. So who is your father? Is is it really God? Mm -hmm. Or are the things that you're doing showing that you're following the devil, who is a murderer, who is a liar, who is resisting Jesus? Mm -hmm. uh, we hope that you would not resist Jesus, but surrender to Jesus. Repent and believe the good news, because Jesus has our good in mind. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave, proving that he is the Son of God, whereas Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Who do you want to follow? All right, with that, we got to take a short break. We'll be back and continue in John chapter 8, starting in verse 39. This episode of Dwell on Truth with Brenton and Dan is sent to you thanks to the generosity of Christians in partnership with Open Air Campaigners USA. Our mission as open-air campaigners is to present Christ by all means everywhere in Northern California. Learn more at oacnorcal.org. Also, we will be live on the Flight 1080 show from 4 to 6 p.m. this Friday here on AM 1080 KSCO. And we're back to the second half of our show and back in John chapter 8, starting with verse 39. And there's some interesting personalities that we're going to talk about and define. Um, but why don't we go ahead and start reading through the verses again? Yes. Yeah, those interesting personalities are God the Father, the devil, Abraham, and who are the children of God and Abraham and the devil? That's an important question. There are a lot of people that would claim that they are children of God or children of Abraham, but does what they claim match up with what Scripture presents? That's a good question. Yeah, some cases it does, in some cases it doesn't. So let's read what the Scripture says. John chapter 8, verse 39 and 40. We're going to talk about Abraham. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. So we are introduced to a character here that plays a major role in both Hebrew scriptures and the Israelites' identity as a nation. Who is Abraham? Well, that's an important question, because like you said, he's, he's really vital to an understanding of the nation of Israel. The origin point for that family was Abraham who was uh, a friend of God, Scripture tells us, and who spoke with God, and God gave him these promises regarding what would happen to his descendants, um, that they would be as numerous as the stars and just a, a ton of really powerful stuff. One of the promises God made was that he would be a father of many nations. Mm, yes. And that's why his name was changed from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, 
a father of many, a father of a multitude. Mm-hmm. Not just the Hebrew race came from him, but also he had a son, Ishmael, mm-hmm. who was the father of the Arab races. That's right. That's why when we talk about the Abrahamic religions sometimes, we're generally talking about um, Islam and Judaism and Christianity, because all three started with Abraham and his children. And they all claim to have connections with God through Abraham, yes, since they God had promised to Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Amen. But does that mean, Dan, and we get this question on the streets, that all the Abrahamic religions essentially teach the same thing? No, they don't. And Judaism, I would argue that Judaism originally did, but having spoken with a lot of, of Jewish folks on the street, um, there have definitely been some some shifts in what they believe. Now, it's hard, people will say, do Christians and Jews worship the same God? And in some circumstances, I, I think it would be easy to say yes, but then they reject an essential aspect of God because they reject the Son. They reject the Messiah. Not all of them. Yeah, not all of them. Painting with a broad brush, Yes, the majority of Jews today have not received Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Correct. Just like the Jews that Jesus is arguing with in this chapter. So we can draw out some of the true nature of who Abraham's blessed children are from this passage. Yeah, and you really do have to make a distinction between religious Jews, practicing religious Jews, and people that are Jewish by ethnicity. And Messianic Jews. Yeah, and Messianic Jews. And of course, Messianic Jews would be the ones that that are, we would call them Christians. They believe in in Jesus as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And then if we go to that third Abrahamic religion, Islam, I, I would definitely say no, they are not worshiping the same God. The character of Allah And really, Allah just means God in Arabic, but in the Western world, we tend to delineate between God, which is usually what Christians are speaking of, the biblical God, and Allah, which is the Quranic God, which is very different in character to the God of the Bible in a lot of ways. So I would say in that case, we definitely don't believe in the same God. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, and staying with the topic of who is Abraham and Mm -hmm. who are his children, Jesus here helps us to define who the children of Abraham are. And definitely Islam has a different narrative when it comes to which of Abraham's children were blessed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the Bible in the Old Testament reveals that God chose Isaac, not Ishmael. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Muslims would say that Ishmael was the chosen line. And that does that lead to Muhammad? Um, well, yeah, Muhammad was was Arab, of course. I, you know, I haven't dug in that deep into exactly th- how they expressed the relationship between um, Isaac and Ishmael. Yeah, I'm not an expert, but uh, didn't they think that it was Ishmael that was offered instead of like when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son? Yes, I believe you're correct there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the Jews, the Bible that predates the Quran, as it was Isaac who was the chosen son, because that's who God identified as the chosen line. And that leads us to Jesus, because he was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on, all the way through David. And so we can trace our Messiah's line through the blessed line that God identified as children of Abraham. Yes, exactly. I mean, we could go way into the weeds on the history there, but the key point is that the Quran came 600 years after the New Testament and, you know, more like a thousand years after the last book of the Old Testament. And when it came out, they changed key historical facts, things that were taken for granted by Jews and Christians. Suddenly, Islam comes in and Muhammad comes in and says, no, that's not the right history. We're here to correct it. (laughs) And other than the word of one man who supposedly heard from God, that being Muhammad, there's no history to support any of the things, the claims that they make. It reminds me of political commentators that say, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your alternative facts. (laughs) Correct, exactly. And that's, uh, yeah, I would argue that's exactly the case with Islam. Yeah. So uh, the identity of Abraham came from a family that worshipped idols, and God called Mm -hmm. him out. And he said, go to a land that I will show you, and he he walked by faith. So he's known as the father of the faith. And one of the important 
distinctions I think Jesus is drawing out is to the Jews, even though they are children of Abraham through Isaac and the 12 tribes of Jacob, um, they weren't spiritually children of Abraham. Yes. And Jesus is pointing to a, a greater truth that's going to be more revealed in the rest of the New Testament, mm-hmm. that all who are believers in Jesus as that chosen seed, that chosen line that God was pointing to, all believers from every nation are are now called children of Abraham because they believe like Abraham did. Absolutely. And I think there's an important um, reminder for those without a Jewish background, but who may have a Christian background. Um, You come to Jesus Christ by faith. The fact that you're born into a Jewish family or a Christian family or what is sometimes called a Christian nation doesn't make you a Christian. Mm-hmm. Trusting in Jesus Christ does. Yep, and that's what Abraham did even thousands of years before Jesus was born. Indeed. That's why Jesus said here, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Yes. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. So there's this identity of being a child of someone because you do what they do. It's like the old saying, like father, like mm-hmm. son. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So if we're truly children of Abraham in the spiritual sense, we're going to do the works that Abraham did. And those works come from faith. That's right. One famous story that people might be more familiar with is is that Abraham offered his son Isaac on Mount Moriah uh, as a foreshadowing of God the Father offering his son on Mount Calvary. Mm -hmm. Now, Abraham didn't have to go through with it. God stopped him because it was just meant to be an illustration, and it was meant to also show his faith that when he took his son up the hill, he said to the servants, my son and I will return. You stay here. That was a foreshadow of the resurrection, that Abraham believed God could raise the dead, and that's what Isaac was a picture of. As a child of Abraham, there would be a descendant who would be willing to carry that wood of the cross, if you will, up that hill in Jerusalem and offer himself. Isaac was old enough to defend himself, but he didn't. He let his father bind him to the the altar as Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He did it as the Lamb of God, and Abraham looked forward to all of this. It's amazing how much Abraham was able to believe in Jesus without having any scriptures about Jesus. So the New Testament has a lot to say about Abraham, but suffice to say for now that uh, a lot of our faith as Christians goes back to Abraham's faith. Yes. Shall we go on to the next verses? We got another character uh, to get into, who is the devil. Sounds good. Let's read verse 41 through 44. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow, some powerful words by Jesus yes. about the devil and calling people children of the devil. Can you imagine that? Yes. Who is the devil and who are children of the devil? Are there children of the devil walking around on earth today? Yeah, I would argue that according to scripture, we are all the children of the devil by nature. But here's the, the thing is a lot of people think of the devil rather than as a being, an entity or a personality, just as a concept or the representation of of evil in the world or evil in the heart of man. Do you think the scripture actually presents him as a as a person? Yeah, I believe the devil is a real, not human being, but spirit mm-hmm. who can disguise himself as a snake, as an angel of light. He could probably appear in the form of a person, a human being, mm-hmm. if he wanted to, but I don't think he needs to. Um, no. The devil is called in other places in the Bible, Satan, which means adversary. Mm-hmm. He's called Lucifer, which mm-hmm. means star of the morning. And yeah. some people will point out Jesus is also called star of the morning, morning star. Yeah, different context. So the devil is more of a counterfeit for Jesus. Sometimes he inspires people to be anti-Christ. Yeah, he does. 
He is a, a real entity, not just a impersonal force and some representative of evil. He is definitely evil, but mm-hmm. he's personal. He's He was an angel that was in heaven with God. God created him. He was good. But then he was lifted up with pride and said, I will ascend to the Most High. And he wanted to be God. And that's why he was uh, kicked out of heaven. Yeah. And Jesus calls him here the father of lies mm-hmm. and a murderer from the beginning. So that gives us some good insight into who the devil is. Yeah, it does. But he should be easy to spot, shouldn't he? Running around with, you know, the horns and the cloven <laughs> hoofs and, and pitchfork and he's bright red. Is No. Isn't that what the devil is? That's maybe a, a popular uh, representation yeah. of the devil, but no. <laughs> and it's also not true that the devil is going to rule over hell. The devil is going yeah. to be punished in hell just Correct. as his children are. So, yeah, he's not having a good time and, and to- assigned to torture people in hell. He's going to be no. tortured himself. Jesus said hell was created for the devil and his angels. So many misconceptions about who he is. And I think he actually likes those misconceptions, you know? You know, because yeah. they, they make people more fearful. Um, they make people have wrong ideas. And I don't think they look out for who he really is and how he really deceives us. So, yes. interesting stuff. So, folks, the devil is real. Mm-hmm. Should we fear the devil? Or is he just a uh, toothless lion roaring and seeking whom he may devour but has no power? No, well, that's not... I would say he doesn't have the power that many people attribute to him. He is not an equal and opposite God. That's one of those things that comes up a lot. It's not like he's at battle with God and we really don't know who's going to win. God has already won. Um, I do believe we should be wary of him. We do need to be careful. He is really, he's not immortal. He's not... Um, all-knowing, he's not all-present, but he's very old and very smart, and he's got a lot of other fallen angels Mm -hmm. working with him. Mm -hmm. So, in in an ultimate sense, we as Christians don't need to worry about him. Um, If you are outside of Christ, be wary, be wary, because he will, he will deceive you, he will lie to you, and he will do everything he can to drag you to hell if he can. Yeah, and he has inspired um, a lot of the evil in the world and has mm-hmm. control over many people of the world. And I would say mm-hmm. the Bible clearly makes a... I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but uh, the Bible clearly says that he is behind a lot of what's happening in the nations. I'm thinking Psalm 2, where it says, Why do the nations rage and mm-hmm. the people devise yeah. to overthrow the Lord's anointed, Jesus? Yes, That's Satan's MO, is to persecute the church. Now, one way he works in the West is he makes people believe that he doesn't exist. That's one of his greatest tricks. It really is. If you don't believe he exists, then you can be subject to his power without realizing it. In the East, there may be more cases of of overt Mm -hmm. demon possession. Everyone there knows that there is the devil and his fallen angels. Yeah, they accept the supernatural much more readily than we do in the West. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's a bit of a chameleon. He's going to do whatever is most effective um, in the environment that he's in. Like I said, he's, he's smart. He's very smart. He's smarter than any human being, I think it would be fair to say. Right. And so we all, the Bible says, we all followed the prince of the power of the air is one title he's given in Ephesians 2. Yes. Following the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, mm-hmm. which are of the world, which is under Satan's sway. He's called the God of this age because the majority of people are on that path to destruction that Satan is leading them on. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, there's so much in the Bible about Satan, mm-hmm. and we don't talk about him much on this program, but he no. comes up a lot in this passage, so I thought it would be appropriate as Jesus is identifying, this is how you know you are children of the devil, because you're doing what the devil does primarily Mm -hmm. lying and seeking to murder the child of God. Yes, indeed. Why don't we go to the next section, and why don't you go ahead and read for Jesus this time? Okay. Uh, But you're doing such a good job. Uh, And thank you for that. You're welcome. So, verse 45 and following. Yes, sir. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Hmm. So, uh, now that we've talked about who the devil is, let's talk about who the children of the devil are. Hmm. 
That's what's being described here. Yeah. Verse 45 is interesting. Jesus tells us the real reason why people don't believe him. Mm -hmm. And it's not because he doesn't give them enough evidence or that what he says is not true. It's actually the opposite. Because I tell you the truth, he says, you do not believe me. Yeah, it's an interesting statement. Yeah, people are predisposed to believe the lie. Yeah, they are. In our human nature, we are given over to our sinful, fallen nature, and unless God opens our eyes to see the truth, Mm -hmm. we won't see the truth. That's why I like to pray before we do evangelism and outreach and share the gospel. We pray before going on the radio, Mm -hmm. God, would you open people's eyes? eyes, because Satan has blinded people's eyes so they would not see the truth. But if God opens their eyes to see the truth, I believe they can choose, having received that revelation, to then believe. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't think they can believe. Well, that's what the next couple of verses say. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And verse 47, the reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Mm -hmm. They don't hear because they're not God's children. They're not... They're not listening to what God truly says, and yeah, they're not even able to. So how do you become of God? What is the, what's the process? How is that possible for someone to go from being a child of the devil to a child of God? Well, that's an interesting question that I think we would, we would differ slightly on. The important, the essential aspect of that is, of course, repentance, turning from your sins, and putting your trust in Jesus Christ— And then the Spirit of God dwells within us and changes us from the inside out, takes that that veil away, takes that blindness away, so that we're able to hear the voice of God, we're able to read his word and understand. I'll, I'll put it this way. There are kind of two pieces here. There is the choosing of man to follow God, and there is the work of the Holy Spirit that allows us to understand him. And of course, the question that we would differ slightly on is exactly what order that process goes in. This may be a good point to remind people of what we said in the beginning, and we'll say it once Mm -hmm. at the end. And that is, if we believe in him, abide in his word, then Mm -hmm. we will truly be his disciple. Then we will know the truth, and then the truth will set us free. I see that as the process of being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And that's all the work of God. And he works in us, and then he works through us, and he sets us free from the devil, the world, the flesh, and sin and death and condemnation, all of it, hell. It's a salvation process that begins with justification, continues with sanctification, ends Mm -hmm. with glorification. Hallelujah. God is good. Jesus saves. Amen. And I agree with that completely. And so if you are, as a listener, are hearing that, are feeling the moving of God in your heart are feeling a desire to know him and to know the truth and to follow Jesus, I just encourage you right now to call out to God. Call out to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to make you born again. Ask him to change you from the inside out. And uh, and God is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and grant you everlasting life. And that's what we want for you today. Amen. So to wrap up this chapter, we have one more paragraph to go. Let's just finish it off with verse 48 through 59, this eighth chapter of the Gospel of John. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Wow, what a powerful conversation we get to see here. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, Jesus going toe-to-toe with people he just called children of the devil, mm-hmm. and they're trying to turn the tables and say, aren't we right in saying you have a demon? In verse 48, Yeah. Jesus says, no, nope, you got it wrong. I don't have a demon, but I honor God the Father, and you dishonor me. So he's just, again, not letting up. Dan, I don't know if, if you wrestle with this, but you know, sometimes when I'm talking with someone who's actively opposing Jesus Christ or saying, just blasphemous things. Mm-hmm. We have the fight or flight response, right? We can get into yeah. an argument. We can, like, you know, just, you know, stand our ground and try and argue with them. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Jesus does that here. He doesn't mm-hmm. back down. And, and I admire Jesus for, for that. I think that's an important part of Jesus's character. Absolutely. And there are times, although I I think it should be more rare than some evangelists make it out to be, yeah. where you have to call people out on the carpet on their sin and hypocrisy. Um, that's yeah. not the our our desire. But when people are actively demonizing Jesus, mm-hmm. um, they're acting like Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the the the, yep. our, the enemy of our souls. Yep, they are following the example of their father. What else is standing out to you in this passage? Some, we learn a little bit more about uh, what Jesus says of Abraham, and they're still trying to quarrel that they're more like Abraham than Jesus is. He said, They said, Abraham died, and di- as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Who do you, who do you make yourself out to be? That's actually a good question. Yeah. That's kind of the ultimate question of of the New Testament, really, is who is Jesus? Or at least that's the ultimate starting point. There's a lot more there, but we have to start with having a right view of who Jesus is, or the rest of the New Testament isn't going to make any sense at all. So what is the right answer to this question? Is Jesus greater than Abraham? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other part of the question is, who do you make yourself out to be? You uh, You see a verse that makes that clear, don't you, Dan? You do. Well, verse 58 is one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And that is powerful because Jesus there is referring back to the passage where God is speaking with Moses at the burning bush. And Moses is getting ready to go and rescue the children of Israel from Egypt. And he basically asks God, well, why should they listen to me? You know, who, who am I that I should go to the nation of Israel? And who shall I say sent me? Mm-hmm. And God's answer is, he says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you. Mm-hmm. Kind of a way of saying, I am he who exists, past, present, and future. And that is powerful the way Jesus expressed that. Because he didn't say, I existed before Abraham and I will exist after Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Taking the name of God. Taking the name of God and saying, I have had eternal existence before Abraham was. You know, I was then as I am now. Mm-hmm. And who can make a claim like that other than God himself? And I think that's one of the things that the world gets wrong about Jesus. Oh, yeah. They think that his existence started at Christmas when he was born of Mary. And we as Christians know Jesus goes way before that. And that's the problem with these Jews here that were rejecting Jesus. Mm -hmm. They said, you're not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? It's pretty... It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing claim Jesus made when he said, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What is that referring to? When did Abraham see Jesus's day or see Jesus? Because Abraham lived about 1900 BC yeah, for long time uh, before o- then. over 100 years. So he was, you know, he predated Jesus walking on the earth. Mm-hmm. But there are times, if you read the book of Genesis, you could make the case that Jesus appeared to Abraham mm-hmm. on different occasions. For example, before going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham and Sarah were visited 
and it says by three men, people that appeared to be men, although two of them we know are angels, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that went down to Sodom and rescued Lot and his daughters. They tried to rescue Lot's wife, but that didn't work. That's another story. They had warned Abraham and uh, that God was going to judge Sodom, and Abraham talked with them. Mm-hmm. There's these three witnesses. Two of them were angels. Who was the third one that stayed with Abraham when the angels left? Well, I believe it was Jesus Christ himself, a pre-incarnate appearance where he was speaking as God to Abraham, revealing what he was going to do in the Old Testament. Amen. I think it was very likely that when God spoke to Moses through that burning bush and called himself the I Am, I think there's reason to believe that that was the pre-incarnate Christ as well. That was Moses, but are there any other appearances to Abraham that Jesus could be referring to? He rejoiced to see my day. I would have to go back and look at it and think about it. There's an interesting scripture in Galatians when it says, God preached the gospel to Abraham. Galatians 3.8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen. So when it says Abraham saw his day, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that he saw Jesus. Uh, there's other aspects of Jesus that Abraham did see. Hmm. For example, the gospel of Jesus. And it was revealed when he, God said, look into the stars and count them if you can, because I'm going to bless, you're going to have that many descendants. And hmm. in you, all the nations shall be blessed. I think Abraham saw Jesus in that promise. I think he also saw hmm saw Jesus uh, by typology in his son Isaac, as we talked about earlier in that sacrifice and resurrection that Abraham anticipated. I think Abraham saw Jesus even in following the Lord to the land that he would live in by faith, and yet living there in tents because he looked for a city whose builder and architect is God. He was looking to the heavenly Jerusalem, our, Mm -hmm. our heavenly home, not the earthly one. One of the arguments Jesus gives for the resurrection is because God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That very one word difference, am versus was, Jesus believed in every word of scripture that it was inspired by God. So, So do we. That's why every word matters. So the word I am the God of Abraham means that Abraham is still alive. So another interpretation of Abraham rejoiced to see my day was after Abraham died, he went, uh, he, he got to see the Lord in some way. Now, I don't want to get into the whole Abraham's bosom. Is that different than paradise? Mm, Yeah. Ultimately, Abraham was aware of Jesus. For the sake of this teaching today, to wrap up John chapter 8, Jesus is essentially saying, Abraham believes in me and he knows me. And they don't know him because Hmm. they don't realize that Jesus is the eternal God, the Son of God, but God the Son. Amen. So that's my complicated explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not always an easy topic to deal with, dealing with the relationship between father and son. But um, one thing that we can know is that it is through the son that we reach the father, as scripture says, no one comes, or Jesus said, no one comes to the father but through me. And that there is one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, the Son. Amen. So we just encourage you today to come to God, to have your sins forgiven, and to come through Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Trust in him alone as your one means to salvation. And believe his claims. Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming to be the I Am. Mm -hmm. And the Jews understood this. And that's why they picked up stones to stone him, because they didn't believe he was the I Am, that he is Yahweh. They, They knew he was claiming to be God, and that's why they wanted to stone him. But they weren't successful in this time, and it wasn't his time. So we're gonna read more. We're more than a third of the way through the Gospel of John, and we look forward to next week continue in John chapter 9. So Dan and I encourage you to repent and believe in Jesus, continue in his word, and then you'll be truly a disciple of Jesus. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Free from the condemnation of the devil and free to enjoy God and know him and make him known. Amen. So we thank you for dwelling on truth with us. If there's any way we can help you 
If you have any questions, feel free to write to us at questions at wellontruth.org, or you can reach both Dan and I at oacnorcal.org, or the email address oacnorcal at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you happen to be in Santa Cruz this Friday, you can hear us on the Flight 1080 show from 4 to 6 p.m. Then after that, Dan and I will go downtown to share the gospel on Pacific Avenue. We'll be out there with our bright colored signs and uh, hoping to meet some of our listeners out there. So come join us. Amen. Yeah, we hope to see you there. We would love the chance to talk with you, and we hope that you will join us again next week for Dwell on Truth. God bless you and have a good rest of your week. All right. God bless.